Well, the season finale is finally here. And would you know, it's a Red Bull 1-2 on the front row. My name is Tom Downey, and welcome to episode 247 of Grid Talk. Today, we are here to, to discuss qualifying for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Joining me, we have Adam Adam Burns from DNF1. Hello, sir. Hi, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Hello, sir. And then also we have Warren from the Paddock Pals podcast. Good to be on. Good to have you on, sir. It's nice to have you both on, gentlemen. Just before we begin, if you enjoyed this podcast, we would love it if you would give five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll automatically go into our monthly draw to win a Grid Talk t-shirt from our champion range of merch. Also, if you're one of the 72% of people who are not yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. So, Abu Dhabi, we finally got here, gentlemen. It's been a long old season. I mean, we don't quite have the sort of hoo-ha of last year going into this final race, but... Um, Adam, a Red Bull front uh, front row lockout, 1-2. That's obviously Max Verstappen, P1, and Sergio Perez, P2. Their first 1-2 uh, front row lockout since 2018, I should add. Looking good for them tomorrow, you, you, uh, you would think, wouldn't you? Yeah, very good. I think that's exactly what Red Bull have wanted. Max Verstappen on the team radio, feeding back after Q3 was over, telling him he got 1-2. and two. He was pleasantly happy with that. You'd say more relatively content, I suppose. Um, it was more... Yep, that's what we wanted to do. That's the job we wanted to do. I suppose the biggest surprise from qualifying, given what we'd seen throughout the weekend, was that Max Verstappen got the job done and got pole position. It did look for all the while that Sergio Perez would have the measure on his teammate, especially with so much on the line for him personally this weekend. But Max Verstappen, as he does, world champion, managed to get the job done when it mattered most. And, you know, despite Perez starting P2, hopefully we won't have the sort of shenanigans from a Red Bull perspective that we saw in Brazil and hopefully Perez for his sake can get a decent start tomorrow and his teammate can sort of back him up in that fight for P2. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said, there is an awful lot to to play for for Perez this weekend, obviously tied on points with, um, with um, I was going to say Sergio Leclerc, but no, that's not right. Charles Leclerc. Um, I was halfway. They both speak Spanish anyway. Um, you can see where my thought process was. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it'll, it'll be interesting, certainly tomorrow, I think. Um, Warren, on, on the second row, and maybe sort of like as, as, much, as, as much as they were going to get this weekend, we have the Ferrari dynamic duo of Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. They looked initially to really not have the pace, um, but uh, but ult- but ult- but ultimately they did. Ju- you know, they, they might get ahead of the Mercedes, who didn't quite seem to show the pace they were showing before. Do you think it's going to come out on top between the two Ferrari drivers tomorrow? Yeah, I think this is a big weekend for Ferrari, mainly for Benotto, obviously with the rumors of him. And his job security coming in for this weekend, uh, he would have to have a clean weekend, I would have to say. Um, and then, obviously, they need Leclerc to get in second place. Because, it really, if you look at it from the grand scheme of things, Charles really shouldn't really be in a battle, at least personally, with Perez for second place. Like, he should have he should have been the main championship contender this season. And he, he, he messed it up himself. The team messed it up. 
um, for him. But yes, going into tomorrow, being ahead of the Mercedes is good. It was a shocker, but I, I have obviously they're going to try and get him in second, but to me, it just seems like a total just microcosm of the season, at least for Ferrari that, that here they are, they should have been on, on Well, they're on Red Bulls just behind them, and they should have been pushing them more than they could have. And it's just a bad, I'm personally just a bad end of the season overall for them. So this is pretty much par for the course, I think, for them. They've they've been ahead of Mercedes the whole year. So kind of how the grid stacks up for me, it's like how we've had the whole year going. Like clearly Red Bull's been first, then Ferrari's been second, then Mercedes, other than lately, have clearly been the, the third best team. So that's where I see this. Absolutely. I think if you'd have said to a Ferrari fan at the start of the season that your lead driver will be scrapping for second place with um, with with Perez, but the team will be barely ahead of Mercedes in the championship and three hundred points best part of behind Red Bull, I think they'd they'd have they'd have probably asked you what you what you were smoking. But that's the way their season has unfolded, unfortunately, and and I and I do mean that when I say unfortunately. But, do you um, think we're going to get another uh, another one last hit of playing a pit stop disaster tomorrow with them or not? What do we think? Are they going to play out the hits for us tomorrow? That's Ferrari's guaranteed, isn't it? I mean, you'd hope for their sake they wouldn't, but it wouldn't surprise me the way their season has kind of capitulated, mostly in the second half, that it would do. Um, I mean, we're talking about a team after the summer break where Bonotto responded after a difficult French Grand Prix, that there's no reason why Ferrari can't win all of the last races. And other than one, which was won by Mercedes, they've all been won by Red Bull quite convincingly. So as long as they have a solid drive tomorrow, they do seem to have that advantage on Mercedes here. But, you know, that long run pace is going to be a factor and it's a lot closer than um, people might think based on what we saw today. So Ferrari are going to get the job done tomorrow. I think they just got to have a normal race. Don't do anything stupid and just get a decent result and it should be enough for P2. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Um, and obviously tomorrow they're going to be scrapping with the Mercedes because that's who they're closer to. Now, again, at the start of the season, I think I think Chaps would probably both agree that if you told Ferrari you'll be scrapping with Mercedes for second in the championship with Red Bull well out of sight, given where Mercedes were at the start of the season, you know, you, you'd, you'd have thought you're absolutely bonkers, but here we are. So Lewis Hamilton P five, George Russell P six. Um, we've actually got. I've just realised we've got the three the three British drivers P five, six, and seven. Um, if, if, if you if you look at the leaderboard, um, uh, you know lining up tomorrow. But um, a third row lockup for Mercedes. Excuse me. I think they'll be a little bit disappointed given they should you know that Russell headed from the practice sessions, but um, it just looked like they couldn't quite keep the pace throughout the entire lap. And ultimately, um, you know, Hamilton, who was the faster driver, only only by you know only by a fraction, mind, is a good point, you know, um, seven tenths behind Max and a good five tenths behind Perez. So, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think that I think the true pace has come out. But um, Adam, tomorrow, uh, do you think Hamilton? Well, you know, I know people are going to probably think I've been saying this all season. Do you think there's any chance Hamilton will sneak a victory tomorrow? Or do you think he would take something to happen in front of him and perhaps for once if a safety car goes his way, especially after last year in um, in Abu Dhabi, that uh, that that he might get a win? Or 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 do you think do you think fifth and sixth is about as good as what they can hope for? Um, I think from what we saw this season, 
the one thing we can all agree on is that the W13, despite being a difficult car for Mercedes, it has been much better on a Sunday than it has been on a Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, one pole position, I think, this season for Mercedes, George Russell in Hungary, if memory serves me right. That, that, you know, on Saturdays, it's never really been something that I think Mercedes has been too worried about. Granted, they have been getting better. And I think today would have been a bit of a surprise for them. I mean, I was looking at Lewis's laps in particular, and they looked so clean. They looked so good. The car looked really grippy. It responded well in the corners. And then when he goes over the line, I think Q2, I think it was, where he was three temps off Perez and he had that radio exchange with Bono, his engineer, telling him he was three temps off the pace, despite what looked to be a pretty good lap. And he just looked surprised. Like, where is his pace coming from? Where, why are we still a few temps off the Red Bulls? And, you know, obviously you can deep dive into those laps and try and figure out why the Red Bull is so good in a straight line. And there are parts of this Abu Dhabi circuit which lend itself to cars that have better straight line performance than others. It's always been that way. So I think pace-wise over one lap, Mercedes probably are where they probably would expect to be. I think when you're on a circuit like Abu Dhabi, where it's a very smooth surface, a lot of high-speed corners, you know, not a lot of opportunity, perhaps minus the third sector where a driver can make up the difference where that Mercedes currently is right now. So going into Sunday, I think they can definitely do more than fifth and sixth. I'll be surprised if they finish fifth and sixth tomorrow. They've got that race pace advantage in terms of tyre deg over the Ferraris. And Abu Dhabi is not a circuit where tyre deg is normally a factor. So it might come back into Ferrari's hands a little bit. But you never know. I mean, 19 points is a huge deficit to Ferrari to make up in one race. But Mercedes can certainly do that. They've proven towards the end of the season they've got that pace and they can make the most of this situation. So you never know with them. Do they have the pace to win the race on merit? Probably not. I think it's going to take something crazy to happen a Red Bull for Mercedes to, or even Ferrari to get the win tomorrow, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you know, like we said earlier, if you look at where they were at the start of the season compared to where they are now, they are an awful lot better and that, that car has improved. So I definitely wouldn't discount them, but but I, 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 you did also make some good points in that they do seem to be lacking some some straight line speed. One thing I did pick up on actually during the commentary, uh, I think for FP three or might have been at the start of quality was um, George Russell took the low downforce wing off and put the high downforce wing on, so that could explain some of the lack of straight line speed. Um, I did also notice that quite often the Mercs were setting purple last sectors. Which I know is certainly where, where the Red Bull has struggled. So, uh, so yeah, so that they can make up some deficit there, but uh, it'll be interesting tomorrow. And I fully agree that over over, over race pace they have been, um, or sort of on a Sunday they've been better. It seems to be a bit of a bit of a trait of the um, Mercedes powered cars this year, apart from apart from Williams. But speaking of Mercedes powered cars, driven driven by a Brit, uh, let's look at McLaren quickly. So Warren, P7 for Lando Norris, P10 for the outgoing Daniel Ricciardo. He will start the race uh, three places back because he has a good penalty for that collision with uh, Kevin Magnussen in, uh, in Sao Paulo last week. A better showing from McLaren, I'd say. And again, you know, at the start of the season, there's some pretty dismal qualifyings, but... Um, you know, they're both into the top ten on merit. You know, you know, and more importantly, you know, um, only one of the Alpines was into the top ten. So the, you know, you know, the in in that battle with Alpine for for fourth. I mean, I think it is a bit of a foregone conclusion. But 
they're doing what they can. You know, Danny Rick probably hoping to go out on on a high, not the best start, good penalty. But um, do you think we can see some double double McLaren points tomorrow, or just or do you think uh, do you think Danny Rick? Will fall if back? Ricardo drives like he did in that last stint in Mexico, then yeah, I think they could get some double points. That's like the best he's looked all season. Um, but yeah, like you said, they got in on merit. I think for at least Ricardo, he could hang his hat on getting into Q three in the last race with this McLaren because he has had some stinkers of some qualifying sessions this year like he's been out of in q1 a handful of times like he has been terrible and he's been terrible on saturdays this year um so yeah but i just think it's like i think it's a disappointing um season as you said they're gonna get probably they they are not catching alpine because also the thing with alpine and their battle like they can have some poor saturdays but they find it on sundays and they they can find themselves in like in in the top seven somehow like alonzo last week and again that fifth um but yeah i think i think they could get a double points finish the only thing is they're gonna have to knock out either one of the alpines or seb and i don't think anybody wants to see uh seb out of the points there so um so that's what they're gonna have to go against yeah i mean given how much some of the cars are struggling in the heat certainly earlier on today and given how sort of fragile the Alpines are, we may see them overheat. Who knows? That is true. Mm. You know, that's uh, you know, with, with that with that ever that sort of ever impeccable French liability, who you know, uh, we could see that. And as I say that, I hear the entire country of France sharpening their pick, their pitchforks for me. <laughs> Speaking of the French, um, Esteban knock on P eight, Fernando Alonso uh, P eleven, but we'll start P ten due to Danny Rick's penalty. Um, do you think, uh, Adam, that Fernando Alonso will play ball this weekend, or do you think he's just going to shout at Ocon and drive into the back of him and say it was Ocon's fault and break his rear wing again, or or, or, do, or do you just think he's sort of done by this point? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because um, if if you're all Otmar Schaffner, for example, you might feel relatively comfortable that Alpine should finish P4 in the constructors by tomorrow evening when the season's done. There's a 19-point gap between them and McLaren, I believe. So McLaren have to at least finish fourth and sixth before Alpine even get out of bed. So because of that, you could end up with a situation where Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon may feel that they have a bit of freedom to battle each other on circuit. After all, I think there's five points separating them in their Drivers' Championship battle. And, you know, Esteban Ocon, whilst he's been parading this idea that he's been better than Fernando this season just because he's got five more points in him, without any context to the contrary, you know, people that have followed this season will probably argue that there's been a lot of caveats that would explain Ocon's advantage. But it also wouldn't surprise you that this has been the closest qualifying battle between two teammates this season with Alonso taking Ocon 12 to 10. Um, I think they were tied with Mercedes uh, before Hamilton got his 13th over Russell's nine today. So, um, you know, a very close battle between these two. And yeah, as, as I was saying already, I think because of the margin that they have over McLaren, unless we have a crazy race where both Alpines overheat or out of the race and McLaren pick up some big points as a result of that, I think these two are going to have a lot of freedom and license to really go at each other just for bragging rights. And Fernando are also probably not going to care if tomorrow's race ends with him and Ocon in the barrier, he's going to a new team next season. Ocon, on the other hand, may feel a little bit of pressure on the contrary. And these two have a history in other teams 
of having issues uh, when not following orders or not complying with their teammate and stuff like that. So this one could get pretty tasty and we've got Sebastian Vettel in between the two of them. So it may just depend how long it takes for Vettel to get out of the way of that conversation. I just hope that if those two do come together, that Seb's not caught up as collateral in this one, because I think we all agree we want Seb to have a clean race, get some points. And he's been driving phenomenally well this week. And it's just such a shame that this is his final Grand Prix. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm. You know, I, I think that's a very good point about about Alonso probably, probably not caring if if your wife's off or not, because as far as he's concerned, he's off. Um, yeah, but let's be fair. Give it five years, and he'll be back at Emstone. He loves that place. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a. Yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of like out of things, out of things to say really about um, about about sort of like Ocon and. Alonso, by this point, Warren, do you want to add anything to, to, to the Alpine saga or, or, should, or should we just leave it and carry on laughing at it? No, I, I will say this, like from a drama standpoint, it's been highly entertaining. Like for the last couple of weeks, we've really kind of been lacking storylines and the Alpine has delivered time and time again between Alonso and Ocon. So like, I applaud them for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think with that and the whole Oscar Piastri thing, Netflix are going to have a field day this year for Drive to Survive. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, credit oh. to the team for producing a great car because this car has been clearly the fourth best car in the grid Agreed. by some distance. 100%. The only reason McLaren are in this fight is because of Norris, quite frankly, who's absolutely smashed both Alonso and Ocon for good measure. So, uh, yeah, for their sake, whatever happens, hopefully they end up with P4 because uh, I would not want to be, um, well, maybe not so much Alonso because he'll just walk out the door and not care, but I certainly wouldn't want to be Ocon if that team doesn't consolidate that P4 tomorrow afternoon. Uh, no, and I think it's safe to say that with Gasly going there as well, we can just expect more of this next year because those two do not like each other. That's got to be a fun working environment, I'll say. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so, side note: just just before we move on, um, when Gasly was announced, did you see that picture of Otmar Safnauer, and Gasly Ocon, and a couple of other Alpine people? Yeah, they... it, it, yeah, it looked like where, where it says, like, go and stand next to your uncle, you're slightly creepy, and you're not supposed to be left alone with. They all just look so uncomfortable in that picture. It looked like such yeah. a corporate forced, we are having fun picture. So, I'm uh, expecting in 2024, when we do the budget cap for next season, and we'll review that, that Alpine have set aside a large portion of their budget cap on repairs and new parts, just to make sure <laughs> that those two, just in case, we need a contingency plan <laughs> Absolutely, but um, uh, speaking of interesting teammate pairings, um, let's look at Aston Martin next because Sebastian Vettel on his final weekend for now in F one P nine, um, and then his teammate Lance Stroll. Oh yeah, he exists. He was P fourteen. Lol. Um, Warren, I mean Seb. You know, you know, you can talk about Lance if you want. I'm not bothered to be honest. Don't think anybody is. But um, but but Seb P nine. It's his final outing in F one. Certainly for for the time being. It's nice to see him in into Q three once again, showing Lance how it's done. Hopefully he'll get points tomorrow. I mean, I think we'd all like to see that. I just hope he doesn't have a mechanical DNF. I would. Uh, I'm not going to say what. What do you want to see from anything tomorrow? Just give us your thoughts and feelings on Seb. Oh, I think I think you uh, today. I will say I haven't been watching. I'm as I think I've said before. I'm a newer F1 fan for the last three or four years, so I didn't get to see the 
Everyone's world championships that he had. But this, from all the clips and all the stuff I've gone back and watched, this seemed like vintage Seb from back in his world championship. Now, relative with the car, obviously, it wasn't in the in a in a race winning car today. But like getting that Aston Martin and into Q three just seemed like a vintage performance from him. I thought of the thing with his dad and the pit and the being an honorary pit member, I thought that was awesome. And they had his first racing suit. Like that was great. His dad seemed so happy in there. Um, no, look, I hope he gets points tomorrow. I, I also like dream scenario. If he could somehow get on the podium, if there's some carnage going on ahead of him, that would obviously be like a great thing. But no, I think everybody knows that he's still such a good driver. The car for Aston Martin has been pretty poor this year and look what he's doing with it. He's had a, he's had a pretty solid season um, and getting the Q3 in his last quality session. I would say that is all you can ask for Seventh was probably the best they were going to be able to do anyways, be the best of the rest nine. So he, just a little off the pace there, but no, just, just vintage, vintage Seb, I would say today. Yeah, and it's um, I think it's safe to say that certainly Seb's uh, people's opinions on Seb changed. I'd say around twenty twenty after the whole Ferrari, um, the whole Ferrari fiasco. Um, just before we move on, Adam, do you want to say anything about Seb? Yeah, it's um, I mean, obviously, I I followed Seb for his whole career, and you know, it's it feels almost a bit surreal that he's not going to be racing in F1 anymore. I mean, of course, you always hold out hope that he may return in some form of capacity, but I just don't think Seb is that way inclined or has that kind of desire to stick around. I think he's obviously learned that there are more things to life than just Formula One. Not that there are any that I could think of, perhaps, but um, it, it's going to be such a shame to not see him around, just having that character, that personality, those positive vibes about him, just a wholesome individual who is probably going out of Formula One at the top of his game right now. Like the, the level of driving that he's showing. I mean, in Q1, that part towards the end of his run where um, he was negotiating through a couple of Alpines and Red Bulls and Alpha Tauri's going really slow, keeping his foot pinned to the throttle. It was almost like watching one of those arcade games where you're driving through there, negotiating your way through traffic. Didn't compromise his lap at all. And it was phenomenal. So much fun to watch. You wouldn't think that this was a guy in the final race of his F1 career. You think this guy was absolutely fearless, really pushing it to the limit. And, you know, that Aston Martin didn't look like it was capable of Q3 today. And Seb was comfortably in there, half a second faster than his teammate, driving so well. It's just, I just really hope that, you know, all the racing gods that are there looking on Seb this weekend, hopefully they can give him a bit of luck and get him to get a great result. Not sure. I mean, a podium would be lovely, but um, I think perhaps enough points, perhaps to give Aston Martin uh, P6 ahead of Alfa Romeo in the Constructors' Championship, which I think they need about five. So I think he'd have to look for P7 at least to try and get that done. So you never know. As we've said already, we might get the two Alpines take each other out and uh, he'd be on the cusp of it, really. So uh, who knows? Yeah, it would. Uh, I, I, you know, I just, I just don't want to see him get taken out tomorrow. I just want to see him just have a good race. I don't want to see a mechanical DNF or anything, because it seems to happen to people when it's their last races. You know, you look at Kimi last year and mm-hmm. um, you know, Giovinazzi, not that he's missed. Um, you know, the same thing and all, all the rest of it. But yeah, you know, I just, uh, you, know, uh, you know, thank you both for some very, very nice words about Seb as well. You know. 
I went off off script a little bit. Not that not that we really have one, as you can tell. But I just thought it'd be good to give everybody a chance just to say something about him because he's been here for an awfully long time. So um, the the next next team to look at uh, Yuki Snowder and Pierre Gasly of the Alpha Tauris. So Gasly P seventeen, not very good, but Snowder a respectable P twelve, and he was. He was P10 for a little bit as well before he got bumped down two places. Um, I think AlphaTauri, um, Adam, they're probably going to be quite glad to see the back of this season. You know, it's not been easy for them. And if you look at where they were last year, um, you know, Gazi looks like he's lost all interest. I don't really blame him. But but Sonoda's looking, he's looked really strong the last, last few races. Just think they could sneak a point, um, maybe, or or, or, or or do you think that's it? I will point out Yuki starts P11 because obviously Danny Rich drops three places. Yeah, it's um, it's not been a great season by all accounts for Alvatari. I mean, a few years ago we were talking about a team that was, you know, a pain in the backside of the likes of the Ferraris and, and McLarens and a few other teams trying to sneak into at some points being the third fastest car at certain circuits behind the Red Bulls and Mercedes when Pierre Gasly was on top form. You could argue it's been a while since Pierre Gasly's been in top form this season. It's not been his best season um, by his own admission and many that have watched him this year. But as you said already, Tom, he looks like he's checked out. He's just pretty much counting down the miles. Whether we see him, I don't think we're going to see him do anything silly that will cause him to end up with a race ban. I think if that was going to be the case, we'd have already seen it in the last race when the, uh, I think, what did he get? Five uh, five points on his super license in the three races before that. So I don't think we're going to see any silly antics from him that will end up giving him a race ban for the first race of the season next year. But looking at the pace of the AlphaTauri right now, a lot is probably going to have to happen tomorrow for them to get in the points. Granted, Yuki has done all right. He's, as you said, he's going to start P11 tomorrow. Not a bad performance in qualifying today. And I suppose for Yuki, this is an opportunity for him to try and lay down a marker to his team. With Nick DeVries coming in next season, it's obviously going to be a lot of pressure on him to deliver. For me, that's going to be a team where I think they're going to struggle because there's not really an out-and-out number one driver in there. There's a lot of talent, but in terms of their direction going forward and on development in this new regulation change, that's going to be a hard team to look for positives from with all due respect to them both. So good opportunity for Yuki to kind of lay down a marker today, uh, tomorrow, I should say, uh, get a good result. They only need three points to overtake Huss for P8 in the Constructors' Championship, but I can't really see how that happens unless we have a mad race tomorrow where we find both of them in the points. And even if we do, you look at Huss as well. Mick Schumacher did well today. Magnussen is always good. Um, of late, so I wouldn't be surprised if Huss was in the mix as well tomorrow with them, so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see, but uh, I'm not the most confident regarding AlphaTauri at this point in time. Yeah, they're um, yeah, they're, they're a bit of a shadow of them former selves, and you, you made a very good point, Adam, about, um, about them perhaps not having an out-and-out number one driver next year. Because um, obviously, obviously, Yuki will have been there longer, but um, but uh, but Deris brings uh, you know uh, brings perhaps a bit of seniority and a bit more, you know, a, a bit of expertise with him. You could say. But um, speaking of the Hash drivers, uh, you give me a lovely little segue there, uh, Warren. Um, obviously, your home team. We should add. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, um, Freedom F1, uh, you know, as, I've, as I've heard them described. I didn't make that up, by the way, before anybody has a go at me. Um, Mick Schumacher, P13. Uh, I think, yeah, I think he will move up a place and Danny Rick, Danny Rick will be behind him. Um, yes, if my maths is correct. Uh, so P13 on the road, P12 on the grid, and then K-Mag, bit of a fall from grace from last week, out in Q1, P16. Um, as Adam mentions, they are in that scrap with the uh, with the Alpha Tauris for what P seven in, in the constructors P eight. I can't quite remember. P8. It is P eight, which is a which is a bit grim for them. But um, yeah, do, do you think they'll have any luck tomorrow, or do you think it's just going to be a bit of a race of attrition and a way for um, for Mick to sign off and stare into Seb's eyes? <laughs> I. I think that they can. Um, I think they. I think you might be able to make and uh, make a point. They've actually been better on race days, but they've been so far back that it's hard for them to get those points up there. Like they've had some some tough qualities this season. I also think too, like from a from mixed standpoint, like, this is pretty harsh on him. Him them not him not bringing back. Like I know he said it, but like. This is basically his rookie season in F1. Like that car they gave him last year was, I mean, horrific. Like probably, is that the worst car in F1 history that they rolled out last year ever? Pretty close to it, right? It's it's, it's certainly the worst hat. I don't think you can call it the worst car. Yeah, okay. I mean, we, we've seen some that have not made the 107% qualifying rule, the likes of... Like LaRousse. Yeah. Those. Okay, that's fine. I was just, I was just adding, but it was... We all know it was dreadful. It was terrible. Like they, if they got anything more than P eighteen, they were like they're doing doing uh, somersaults in there. Anything like it was it was terrible. And, and this season, he's got off to a they got off to a nice start, but really since like the summer break, hungry they haven't really had. Obviously last weekend they got they took advantage of the weather with K Mag, but like they haven't really had a lot going on with the car. It's kind of been stagnant on 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 pace at least. And I just think it's it's a tough, tough luck for and I look, I know it's cutthroat, but tough luck for him not getting renewed at least for one season. Cause he was showing he was showing promise. And I think he's 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 got some talent. And to go to a 35-year-old in Hulkenberg, which we know, I guess it's just a safe, the safest play. But I don't know. I just think he's got a tough luck. I was happy he got into Q2. Um, hopefully he can get some points in his last race. Who knows when he comes back? But I, I just think overall a tough, a tough situation for for him not to be brought back next year. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I, I was, uh, I, I want to come on to some of the some of the sort of driver moves after we just sorry, yeah, just, just no, no, it's all all good. Just just finish up and set. I mean, we've only got two other teams to talk about, and it's not going to take long. So, Adam, you have the, the distinct honour of talking about the Alfa Romeos, uh, Guan Yuzhou, P15, um, and Porridge Man, um, Bottas, was P18. Anything to add? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not been the best qualifying performance for Alfa Romeo. They seem to be very up and down at the moment. I think, you know, following the Brazilian Grand Prix and the Mexican Grand Prix, there was a little bit more promise for them. Uh, after the raft of upgrades that they bought towards the end of the season. I think, given what we saw with Zhou Guan Yu, I think he'll be relatively happy with the Q2 appearance, unlike Bottas, who admittedly said on the radio that he just couldn't get the tyres working. He had to slow down a lot to let fast cars overtake him when they were on quick laps. 
and it really messed with his tire preparation. He said he was suffering a lot from the rear sliding. And, you know, Q1, the eliminations were very, very tired. Was just looking through the timings that literally a tenth here or there and you're in or out of qualifying. And, you know, Bottas was just unable to find that pace, whereas his teammate Joe was able to. And I think that says a lot about Joe Guanyu this season. He's a driver that's kind of gone about his business quite quietly. I don't think there was a lot of expectation on him, but I think as the season has gone on, Joe Guanyu, whilst of course he hasn't had the the highs that Bottas had earlier in the season, and which has contributed to a lot of points that they've put on the board and why they're currently P6 in the constructors at this point in time, I think you could look at his performance as a whole and say that there's definitely a lot to look forward to for next season if he continues to improve. And today we saw that as well in qualifying. He just hooked it up. Bottas didn't. And for Alpha, I guess it's going to be a case of just try and keep their noses clean. Hopefully their race pace will be more competitive than it is in qualifying. It usually is. We see that a lot with um, quite a few teams this season. They're certainly up there with that. And uh, I think they'll just be crossing everything that Sebastian Vettel doesn't put in a, one of those rare performances that only he can put in and get the points that they need to overtake them. So um I think if you're Alfa Romeo, as long as they finish sixth in the constructors, I think they'll take that and then move on to next year, really. But uh, yeah, at this point, just get the season done. I think if you're an Alfa Romeo boss right now. Yeah, no, that's that's right, too. And I wonder how much longer Fred Russell will be Alfa Romeo boss if rumours are to be believed. But um, but Warren, you have the distinct honour then of talking about Williams. I mean, we've got a Red Bull front row lockout. We've got a Williams back row lockout. The only driver, the only team to not get out of the 126s. And bear in mind, Max is into the late 123s. So, uh, yeah. Probably not the end of the season they wanted. They would have hoped for Albon a bit higher up. I mean, Latifi is what he is. Um, I mean, it's his last race. Uh, we legitimately had to remind ourselves of that uh, before this before this show started. Um, his... I think it's probably a bit unfair because there's been a lot of talk around Seb and it being his last race where we have three other drivers leaving. So, uh, so yeah. But, I mean, Williams, do you think anything will happen for them tomorrow? Or do you think uh, do you think their their fate is kind of sealed and, it's, and by this point they're all eyes on 2023? Yeah, I think their fate's pretty much sealed tomorrow. Um Maybe if there's one driver to do something, it would have to be Albon. Um, as much as it pains me to say for the goat in his final uh, in his final race tomorrow, but it would have to be Albon. And I'm kind of surprised that they were so far off the pace because the car has shown pace when they've got tracks. I know sector one and the beginning of sector two, like they got some the long straights. Like they've shown pace when there's been like long, long straights on the track. So I'm surprised that they didn't really have that today. Um, and it didn't, that they're, they have the back row lockout, but no, their fates, you know, I think they're probably more worried about what happens in the F2 race. We can talk about that after, but they're more worried about what happens in the F2 race than they are in the, uh, in, in, in the F1 race t- tomorrow. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's only so much we can sort of really say about 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 these teams sort of further down the grid. Um, but that is that is our look over the qualifying results from for the 2022 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Not exactly a classic by by any stretch. Um, I don't think anybody was expecting that. But um, can I ask you one thing, Tom? Do you like the track layout? 
Do you like the new track changes? I know we had it last year, but we see it again. Do you think it's better now than it was before or not? I pref- I personally prefer it. I think it's better. Um, you know, it's uh, I, I I think it is allowing itself to um uh to 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 have a bit more you know or or or, or you know it's just it's 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 hard to pin on what I what I like about it. I, I think I think it's the I think it's that hairpin where previously you had that chicane can you sort of going into I think it was turn four five that sort of section. Mm-hmm. G- given that they've they've they sort of done done a sort of like long loop in left hander and then and then they've they've got rid of that sort of sort of odd chicane that sort of comes out the end of sector two into sector three. Um yeah, it's uh, I I think it's good, and then it's like widened the, the 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 last sector. I think it's good. I'd be interested to get both of your thoughts on it, chaps. Yeah, I mean it's certainly a step up. I I think fundamentally with a circuit like Abu Dhabi, there's only so much that you could probably do to it. It's never been the best circuit in terms of producing overtaking opportunities. I think when we go from Brazil to Abu Dhabi, you're going to get contrasts for many different reasons. Some good, some not so good. It's probably better now than it was. I think that sort of chicane area and the way that sector three is a lot of night was a lot of 90 degree corners. It did it did prevent the cars from sort of flowing and following each other better um, as they probably do now. And it does provide more opportunities for better racing, but I wouldn't exactly say that it was a complete, like it's not night and day, you know, pun intended compared to what we've seen in pre in the past. So yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction, but as I said, there's only so much that you can do to change some of these circuits. And perhaps this is something to consider for the next generation of cars that we'll get in 2026 or any sort of changes they can make with the current crop, which will make it even easier for them to follow each other. And maybe that's going to play a factor tomorrow. The fact that the cars have proven to have been much better at following each other and has promoted more opportunities for overtakes. Yeah, I I, th- I think I think it's also a case of the um the sort of like newer car designs will um all, all the sort of newer design cars for twenty twenty two will work better on this circuit. Um but yeah. Uh there's a good question of Warren. What do you think about the changes? Do you think they're good or not? I, I think the where you said that taking out the first chicane and making that the hairpin, I like that a lot. I I all part of me would like to see the second um kind of chicane still there to see how these new car new cars would do with that. Like I because if you don't pass anyone on that second whatever new new curve hairpin, whatever you want to call it before sector three you're not passing anybody until you go into that new one because that you're, you're not getting anyone in, in sector three how those um or at least i don't think so unless because it's too like you said they open up the corners a little bit too much it's more flowy so there's only a couple spots for it i i think it's personally i think it's better just because of what they did in the first part of it but part of me would like to just if they could like experiment hey did we go a little overboard of taking the second chicane out after the second DRS. So maybe there'd be some more overtakes there because I don't know how many overtakes there were going into that other hairpin last year. So, oh, but I, God. I think it's, huh? 
We only but, remember the one with Lewis and Max, don't we? From that's the only, that's the only, one, only one you need to remember. No, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not talking about the first one. I'm talking about the other one after the DRS. No, no, no. But, but, no, yeah, but yes, agreed. Yes. If Lewis no, agreed, had better tires, he probably could have got Max in that part of the lap. Um, yeah. But I can't recall any other maneuver around that at that time. To be yeah, honest. no, there wasn't. There was so I, I, but I, I think it's a better flowing track. I. I think sector three and how close they get to that barrier out of what turn is that? Like turn 12, 13? Is it? It's Latifi's corner. Yeah, yeah the Latifi's I corner. called it Latifi's corner. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But like, however, how close they could get to that, I, I I mean, it's, I mean, watching them drive is still so mesmerizing sometimes how they, how they have control of the car and everything. And that's just another example of that, I think. But yeah, no, I think the changes are fine. It's been a while since these cars have been have weighed as much as a toaster. That they have got considerably bigger, yeah, over the years. Probably a third heavier than they were, uh, I'd say, as much as not even ten years ago. To be honest, when they made those other changes, but I remember last year when we saw Fernando Alonso driving his what was it, the R twenty five that he won his first world championship. It was his two thousand five car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so it, they had. Uh, I don't know. I remember. Gonna, I know you're going to say they had that alongside that year's Renault, and it was the the R the two thousand five Renault was so much smaller, hmm. so much smaller. It, it's like it's all, when you put the two of them together. It was almost like when you, uh, if any of you guys remember this uh, or anyone listening remembers this. Um, Top Gear did that segment with Richard Hammond where he was driving that very car claiming that he could do what a Formula 1 driver could do or he could give it the beans if you like for lack of a better way of putting it and it was like when he was going through a champ car and uh, and the equivalent of a Formula 3000 car and a GP2 car or something like that then move it to an F1 car that's kind of how it looked like the F1 car from 2005 looked like the baby version of what you get today and it's a step up but the reality is is that performance-wise, there's probably not too much difference between them over the course of a lap. It's just how you go about getting that. And I think with the smaller cars, circuits like Abu Dhabi might be a lot more entertaining than they would be with these much heavier cars, which are more representative of something that we see at Le Mans rather than what we see in Formula 1 at the moment. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah. Again, that's a very, very good, very good point, Adam. You know, the um, the cars are obviously a lot bigger these days, partly partly due to safety, partly due to you know, you know the increased sort of gubbins that they have, you know, because obviously they have all the hybrid systems and what have you. But yeah, they're just uh, they've just they've just got a lot sort of bigger and bloated. I suppose is pro- probably a good way of putting it. Um, one thing one thing I did want to get your opinion on, gentlemen, is um, sort of straying away slightly from Abu Dhabi specifically because let's be fair, there wasn't an awful lot to talk about in that quality session. Is I want to get your thoughts on um, the drivers who are coming in next year. So and and uh, and then and then you know so like the the driver changes we've got. So I, I mean the the um you know you know let's 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 look look a bit further down the grid. Well, the big one that I want to talk about is Haas. Um. Because they've gone from having two rookies to a rookie and then established to two very established drivers who, obviously, if anybody remembers Hungary 2017, have a bit of history. Um, you know, I wonder if KMI is going to welcome Hulk into the team or not, um, if you know what I mean. Um, but um, I if the same greeting would suffice if we're that kind of green. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you both. Um, 
Do you think Hulk was the right choice? Adam, I'll go to you first because I, I think I know what Warren's going to say. Um, I suppose it, it depends on how you look at it. But for me personally, being a, I am a bit of a Mick Schumacher fan, you know, derived from the fact I was a huge fan of his father, Michael Schumacher over the years. Um, if you're talking about a team that is looking for young drivers to develop and get better and be a big part of the future of a team going forward, I would say, no, it's not the right decision. That said, Mick Schumacher has had some highs this year. They've just not been sustained highs. You know, there've been peaks, there've been moments of brilliance. There've been moments, like today we saw in qualifying, you know, everyone was raving about Magnussen in Brazil last time out. And of course we should congratulate him for that because it was incredible drive under the circumstances. But then next week, Mick Schumacher goes out and beats him in qualifying and has looked quicker than him so far this weekend. And Mick's biggest problem has been the fact that his peaks tend to be towards the end of the weekend, by which the last stint where it doesn't really matter much, like he's already out of competition in that regard. And not to mention the hefty repair bill that he's come with this season. That's something that a team like Haas just cannot sustain. Um, They're going to get more funding next season through their additional sponsors, which is great, but they don't really want to spend a large chunk of that repairing a car that Mick has crashed. If you look at Haas for what probably what they are, I would say is probably the sensible move for them to bring in someone like Hulkenberg. Not to say that Mickey isn't good enough, but Haas are not a team, in my opinion, that have aspirations of being one of the top teams in F1. And no disrespect to Nico Hulkenberg, we know what the guy's about, but that's kind of what you can say about Hulkenberg that goes in his favour. We know what he's about and he would be attractive to a team that is just looking for a guy that's going to be consistent, knows how to score points. You know, I think he's in the top 20 of point scorers of all time, although caveats would apply because points are worth more now than they used to be in the older days. But that being said, he's a reliable driver. He's a seven, eight out of 10 driver, gets you some good results. And that's kind of what Huss need right now. They're not looking to try and be what McLaren or Alpine even are, or what they aspire to. They just want to get some solid points, bring the car home, doesn't cost too much to fix it. And I think Hulkenberg does a better job at that right now than Mick Schumacher, even if Mick Schumacher's career highs potential for the next 10 years is obviously going to be much higher than what Nico will produce. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's an interesting one. The, the, I, I think, I think we could, we could call it um, the Haas predicament. So uh, Warren, you, you did sort of allude to it earlier, um, but I'm interested to, to hear more from you or, or sort of like, sort of what, what you think about the, um, uh, the the Haas decision. Uh, so, give us your thoughts on on the second Haas seat. No, I agree with a lot of what Adam says. It's like what what as a team they they want to be equivalent of like a mid table team in the Premier League of like, hey, just finish tenth, whatever, get more bonus money, and Hokenberg probably gives them more consistent results than than Mick does, and that's just the fact. That's just, that's just probably a fact right now. And as much as I would like to see Mick stay in the seat, because I think he had to put up with a lot of a lot of stuff last year that did not go his way, and he was a solid, solid trooper in that. Like I still remember the um, radio post the race at Coda, and they were he was just like he sounded so miserable in there. The engineer was like, "Hey, we had he had to go to we had some good barbecue and like fried chicken here like when you're bringing up food you ate at a, in a post race like uh radio message like that's just how bad 
how bad it was. And as you said, his his highs are high for for the Haas standard, and then his lows can get pretty low with the bill and all that. And I just think that they, Gunter and, and Gene Haas, they just looked at how much they were spending on his on the on his repairs, and they were like, this is not a sustainable thing. As much as we think he's talented, we need the safer route. And for us to get as I said, in this race for fifth or sixth, probably Hulkenberg is the better decision for them, even though he's probably not as talented as Mick. So I think Adam really said he 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 nailed it there, and I agree with a lot he said. It's just kind of unfortunate that look, I think we've said before F1 is being at the right place at the right at the right time. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he kind of got stuck at Haas at the wrong time last year, and they got this year and and this is what this is what happened with them. And I mean, I like him. It was I think Ted Kravitz said like he's talked to be like Mercedes reserve driver next year potentially. Like that's rumored. Like I think that would be quite interesting if he did that. Like that would seem like a a solid move for him, and then he could work his way around. But I I think this is a typical like a from a business standpoint for Haas, it's probably their best decision they can make, even if it's an uninspiring decision to the rest of like the f1 fans out there bringing back holkenberg because we know what he is well i mean if i can just add one quick thing warren based on what you just said and that's a really good point the business aspect of it that gene haas and obviously Gunther steiner in this team would have to consider you know that this season the highs at Haas were at the very, very beginning of the season. They've had two significant upgrades for this car. Yeah. And that was when it rolled out after preseason testing. And I think around about Hungary when they it had the upgrade package. And, and, and Mick didn't even get that until after the summer break in Spa. So at that point of the season where Haas were very competitive, they probably had the fourth or fifth fastest car at the time. They oh, came oh. out as a bit of a revelation. Everyone was like, oh, wow, they've done a lot of work from 2021 to sacrifice that. They've got a good car. K-Mag got straight in it and he got, was it P4, P5 in Bahrain, something crazy like that. And he picked up a lot of points for the mm-hmm. team. Mick Schumacher, nowhere to be found by comparison. Yes, he was a bit unlucky. I think the first race he got took out by Ocon when he was running in the points early on and it kind of ruined his race. But those were the moments where Huston needed Mick to cash in. Unfortunately, he didn't do that. And if he did, that could have been P6 in the constructors. We may not have even talked about Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin. Huss may have already had that nailed down. And about two or three places in the constructors is worth about $20 million in F1 market today. That's a huge amount of money to a team like Huss, quite frankly. That's like 20% of their operation budget for this season, give or take. So for me, whilst I'm not a fan of the decision, I totally understand from a business perspective of what Huss currently are right now, why they've gone and done that. No, absolutely, and um, uh, just just to add for, for those of you who are who are watching or, or sort of listening live, we will be doing a post show and we'll carry on this conversation over there because I think um, you know I, I think this is probably going to be worth chatting about. So just just to, just to round out the main show, um, uh, just 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 looking back to the, the quality results quickly, I just want to get some predictions from yourselves, gentlemen, um, Warren. Who uh, tell me your podium uh, and your bold prediction for tomorrow? A podium, I will say it will be Max, Checo, and uh, Leclerc. So I will say that Perez will nick out um, 
Charles for number two. And then the bold prediction will be that three of the four outgoing drivers will get points tomorrow. Damn. It's definitely going to be Latifi. Um, <laughs> Adam, what about you? Give me your podium, your bold prediction, sir. Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it, with the Red Bulls? Because, you know, I was very much expecting if um, Perez is in P2 that Max may do the right thing this time and give Checo the position for the win. Mostly this weekend, it could be a PR stunt where they might just be saying, oh, well, you know, the first reaction was the wrong one. We're going to try and see if we can do some damage limitation and uh, improve your image a little bit by letting Checo have the win in the final race of the season. I'm sure that's what Red Bull would want. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if if they're both comfortably one and two and Leclerc's nowhere to be found, whether it's in P3 or less, that Max thinks Max might think, well, I want to keep this win. Checo doesn't need to win the race, so maybe I'll keep it. But if I'm going to go for a prediction, I'm just going to say, because of despite everything that I've said, Perez wins, Max second, and Leclerc P3. Nice. Okay. And, and a then... bold prediction, Vettel uh, top five. Why not? Ooh. Or he gets enough points to wit to get Aston P6 in the constructors. Well, you'd love to see that, wouldn't you? So top seven probably be enough, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that would be good. Um, mine, just very quickly, my podium, I'm going to say Checo Max um, signs. My bold prediction is McLaren beats Alpine to force in the constructors. Yeah, I know. It's called ball oh, prediction. It's called ball <laughs> prediction for a ball. reason. <laughs> yeah, never mind. Ball. See that's that race. stupid. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Let's see that. So yeah. So um. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, uh, gentlemen, I should give you a quick chance to give yourselves a plug, shout out, promo, um, ego massage, whatever you want to call it. So, um, Warren, who are you? Where are you? Why are you in my house? Where can we find you? Um, tell us a bit more about, about where, where people can find you. Uh, yeah, we're, my cousin and I were here in the States. If you didn't know that because the Haas, um, whatever flying the flag, uh, we do paddock pals podcast, um, and more of a, a fun type of deal. We'll break down the races, but maybe focus more a little bit on the drama. We're not getting into engineering nitty gritty or, or whatever. Well, we, we like to have some fun. That's where we're at. We're on the socials. Instagram, TikTok. I have a great viral TikTok going on right now of the fake bill from the driver's dinner on on Thursday night that people are really coming at my throat for putting out for fake news. So that's quite funny, but it's got like 900,000 views. So keep commenting. Keep it going in the algorithm. I'll take it. Um, and yeah, we're Apple, Spotify, whatever. We're, uh, wherever else you get your pods at. The Paddock Bells podcast. Nice. Lovely stuff. And um, Adam, where can we find you? Um, yeah, thanks, Tom. Me up. Um, well, first of all, I mean, in in terms of Warren's TikToks, I mean, people just got to chill the f out. Quite honestly, <laughs> I mean, I want that meme content. Send it my way, my friend. Honestly, like some people just take themselves way too seriously. It's only a joke. Um, yeah. But look, all jokes aside, if you guys want to check out my stuff, uh, I host and produce a show called DNF One. We do race previews, reviews, and we discuss all the gossip news. And all the events going on in the F1 world. And of course, after the race, we're going to have a lot of winter break content for you guys. We're going to have some special guests on and some bit more fun and whimsical discussions as well on top of the usual stuff that we do. So to find us, you just go on YouTube. You can chat, uh, type in DNF1 and we're right there. 
And we're also on your favorite podcast and platform, be the Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, for example, wherever you can find your favorite podcasts. Lovely stuff. Um, and then me, I'm obviously part of Grid Talk. Um, and that's all the social info you can get out of me. So, um, so Grid Talk is available on YouTube, but most episodes are recorded live, such as this one. As uh, you can also find us on uh, Amazon Fire, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cast. If you just search for F1 Grid Talk, uh, you will find us. And uh, and yeah, and whilst you're there, be sure to leave us a five star rating. Um, you know, for uh, just because you know why not and and then also if if you don't like it tell us and yeah i'm i'm sure uh, i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure we can disagree in the comments um so that's that that wraps everything up um gentlemen thank you ever so much for joining me and we will catch you tomorrow where we review the final uh final race of the season so until then thank you very much and goodbye